This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. About to come on up. And it's the question of in five years, what do you know will be a challenge? Not what do you think might be a challenge, but what in your heart of hearts in five years do you know will be a challenge for you? And we're going to look at this and we're going to pull this apart and use this as part of our service. It's a little more diffused. In other words, like there's a bunch of little roots or branches, however you want to look at it. I'm going to offer a number of different perspectives in that way. I'm not trying to like drive us all to one point. I'm trying to like offer a certain perspective I think God is asking us to have. And always look at, right, like, who are we talking to today? There's a part of you, no doubt, that's filled with a lot of fear, anxiety, worries, concerns. There is a part of you, there's a part of me very much that way. And there's a part of you deeply at peace. Calm. Quietly knows it's somehow going to be all okay. I was so honored to have it be part of a beautiful baptism, and, and uh, one of the parents talked about this, you know, in the middle of, of the baptism, having a burst of stillness. Is that a beautiful line or what? Just a burst of stillness. We're often like, oh, just for a minute, for a nanosecond, it was all okay. Now, I think that nanosecond grows throughout our lives here on this planet and eventually becomes heaven. But that's the part I want to talk to today. And, and I'm going to sort of start at the, at the end, use the end as the beginning, and just, just sort of put out there a hypothesis. And this is the hypothesis. Imagine what would happen if you gave the interpretations of your life events, past, present, and future, over to God. What would happen if we just like learned to just turn over all the interpretations? An event happens, you know, and that event could be one minute. And yet how many of us will spend countless hours replaying that minute and interpreting it over and over again? Right? We do that, right? Like, here's the minute. But man, that minute's got a huge run, a huge playing time. It's like the King and I on Broadway. It keeps on replaying for decades. And, and today is about like, yeah, where can we get to a point, that quiet point, where we can still that and turn those interpretations over to God. And that's not to say there aren't parts of our life that we don't want to evaluate and interpret. Like, of course there are. Of course there are. It's just a matter of where we're going to sort of shift that. And I, and I would offer you to shift that over to God. That's, that's what we're going to look at today. It's a story I've told before, but it's, it's one I, I really get a, get a kick out of. You know, I work with a lot of young couples. And, uh, you know, many of them, like, like Aaron and Derek, part of our church, uh, they're all over the country, and it's kind of fun to, you know, chat with them. We're chatting with them tonight, actually, in a small group. And, and you know, with, with these couples, we talk about, like, okay, you can see things with God's eyes, with your eyes. I was talking with one couple, and the big struggle for her was the fact that he was always leaving out his socks. You know, he's always leaving his socks on the floor. And I talked about how do your eyes see it? Well, he's lazy, he doesn't care about me, blah, blah, blah. And then I asked her, well, if you saw it with God's eyes, what would you see? And she didn't say, like, oh, look at how hard he works, da-da-da. She said, well, if I saw it with God's eyes, those socks on the floor, all I would see was socks. I love that. 
I, th I think that's so accurate and so true. And maybe that's the point we want to get to in life where, where we have these really hard moments because there are moments that are so hard. And we can just sit with a moment and we can turn over interpretations to God and we can just sort of push it, push it God's way, knowing that God will very gently, very gently help us to hold it in ways not necessarily, folks, where, where all of a sudden all the pain goes away, but just, just hold it in ways where we just know God is sustaining us through it. God saves us from nothing, but sustains us in everything. God saves us from nothing, but sustains us in everything. I think there's a lot of truth in that concept. So what I'm going to do is I want to read for you a story here, and it's a story about somebody who, who turns dreams over to God, turns interpretations over to God. Talk about what that means. And for those of you joining us for the first time, this is, this is an ancient story, around 3,000 years old. It's the story of Joseph. Joseph was a dreamer, a young man, big-time dreamer, didn't get along with his 11 other brothers. His 11 other brothers sell him into slavery, and then eventually he ends up imprisoned in Egypt, and that's where we pick up the story. So he's imprisoned, and, and he gets called to actually interpret Pharaoh's dream, Pharaoh being the king in Egypt. So this is where we are, so Genesis 41. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one could interpret it. But I have heard it said that when you have a dream, you can interpret it. I can't do it, Joseph replied. But God can. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, and here he talks about two separate dreams. In my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. Now at that time, that would have been seen as abundance, a dream of abundance. After them came seven other cows, scrawny, ugly, lean. I'd never seen such cows in all of Egypt. The lean cows ate up the seven cows that came first. But even after that, they still appeared ugly. So that's dream one. Dream two. In my dreams, I also said, saw seven heads of grain, in other words, stalks of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, several other heads sprouted, withered and thin, scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good ones. I told this to others, but none could explain it to me. So it's, it's a dream where he's going back and forth between abundance and scarcity. Abundance and scarcity, abundance and scarcity, abundance and scarcity. So here's Raphael's beautiful painting of it, and you see the, the two different dreams up there. And this next line, this next line is just so incredibly beautiful. So he's, he's got two dreams, both of scarcity and abundance. And then there's this line. The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. New Church, we believe in looking at the Bible very seriously, not always completely literally, but looking at it very seriously and finding underneath, like, like what's the po poetic part that we're supposed to understand there? I, you know, when I was reading through this story, and again, I'm, you know, as a pastor read through the story, you know, dozens of times, I'm sure, over my life, it never really occurred to me that line, the dreams of Pharaoh are one, never really struck me the way it did this year. The dreams of Pharaoh are one. Life is one. There is a unity to life. 
when we look out there at life, we have to understand as we're dreaming, as we're looking about what the future is, is that the future, of course, will have incredibly broken moments. Many of which you already know. Of incredibly difficult moments. Many of which you already know. I, I, I think about, for me, you know, I've got wonderful parents, and, and my dad's 91. Like, five years from now, life will look different, I think. Not sure how it will look, but, but I know, with a capital K, that's going to be a challenge. I know we have kids, and there'll be challenges there. Like, I know all those things. So there's dreams there that are kind of like dreams of, of challenge, and can we at the same time get dreams or one? There also have to be these dreams of abundance. Dreams of a good that will show up in life. And sometimes maybe one comes before the other, and this is again where it goes out into different sort of tree roots. But that idea of, of a both and, so important. For spirituality to have life, it has to be real. It has to be real. It has to be able to meet other people where they are. And a lot of the time that's blessed, and a lot of the time that's broken. And if we can't hold the dreams as one, we can't connect as one. We can't share life, we can't have a solidarity with each other in a way that's life-giving. And the trick is, don't let that make you a cynic. (laughs) And don't make, well, that's the realistic way. I don't even like the word realistic. I think that's just life. On life's terms. A life that Jesus joined us in. I mean, like, look at the Easter story. Lots of breakings in that. And lots of unforeseen blessings as well. So Joseph interprets this dream and he interprets it accurately and the story goes on. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end and the seven years of famine began just as Joseph had said. But he had saved up grain in those seven years so that they could make it through the lean times. Like, it's so obvious, right? Like what the message is there. Saving up in times of plenty for times that are a challenge, whether that's, that's at a physical level or a spiritual level as well. That's where, folks, you know, today's service, the title of it was Confronting Reality with Unwavering Hope. The unwavering hope I think that we're called to is, is not an unwavering hope that means we never question life or we never feel hopeless. I mean, I think probably most of us have had at least a minute or two this week where you felt where a little hopelessness snuck in. Probably some of you more than just a moment. And, and when, we, when we get that, we have to sort of see, like, yeah, God's talking about a different kind of hope here, and it's a hope that's much more based on faith, much more based on trust, much more based on, on understanding the faithfulness of God, the trust that we can have, and the faith, you know, the eye of love that we talk about a lot here. And understand that there's a divine providence. There's a current that's pulling us along through our lives. And I want to take a look at this beautiful line that talks about this. This is talking about God's providence. 
The nature of the Lord's providence is such that it is linked together with foresight. The one does not exist without the other. For evil things, you could just say evil there, evil things are foreseen. In other words, God knows that there's bad stuff coming down the pike, just in the same way you guys know there's challenges coming up. But good ones are provided. Bad things foreseen, good things provided. And the evil things that are foreseen are constantly being turned towards what is good by the means of the Lord's providence arrangements. So it's the divine end, which has good in view, always moving towards good, which is another word for love, governs everything. Nothing, therefore, is allowed to happen to the end that something good may come out of it. Now, with that line there, folks, you know, there's, there's some beautiful pieces there. The idea, yeah, of course, God in his, in his omniscience, on his, in his all saying, of course, God, just like us, you know, and we're reflections of God's love. Like, of course, God can foresee some of the challenges in life. And it's interesting. I don't know if this is true. It'd be interesting to, to hear if it's true for you folks, too. I have a great, a great propensity to foresee all the challenges of life. I don't have a great propensity to foresee all the good stuff that's going to happen. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know if that's true for you or not. I imagine for some of you it is, maybe for some of you it isn't. I can make a list of all the challenges over the next 10 years and yet ask me to make a list of all the miracles that are going to unexpectedly show up in the next 10 years, and I couldn't do it. I think, again... Our job, the dreams are one, is to, 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 is to shift this over to God and, and then understand how God is, how God's providence works. An interesting line there is, is, is God saying like, yeah, you know, hard stuff's going to happen. And his endeavor's always going to be, be to bring, please listen carefully, folks. His endeavor will always be unceasingly to bring something good out of that hard thing. Now notice, I felt this very strongly over my years teaching. It's important what we read, it's important what we don't read. This piece of new church theology that I just shared with you doesn't say bad things happen so that your life will be better. It says bad things do happen. And God's unceasing endeavor will to bring something good out of that. Something good versus better are two different things. Now, sometimes challenges can happen, and we realize there is a betterness on the other side of it. And sometimes hard stuff happens. I know in my life, like the hardest pieces that have happened, I don't really believe that something better happened out of that. And I do know that I did get to witness God's grace in those moments. God's solidarity in those moments. Now as the musicians come up for the next song, think about what that might be for you. Think about for a minute, like, all right, so I have this list of, of challenges that I clearly foresee, these, these areas that I, that I just know are going to be difficult. And do you know this as well? That there's going to be miracles that show up. Miracles that show up that maybe we can't anticipate now, but maybe faith is just like taking that whole bed and just saying, here God, hold this. 
knowing that God does, and knowing that so much of that is this beautiful endeavor as we turn it over to God's holding, where we just learn to hold each other. Again, that solidarity and that community so important to times like this. Podcast out into, into three places, which is live stream, uh, Facebook, and YouTube. And if you're watching, a lot of folks watch later in the week now, given circumstances what they are. And, and again, don't be ashamed to like send me a text message answering the question on Wednesday, if that's when you're watching church. That's totally fine. Because it, it's just a good conversation, and it's good. I love to hear from you folks and to hear... What, what you're thinking. And this is just one little sampling of what some people know are going to be the challenges in the next five years. Somebody who's, who's dealing with a lung ailment, my lungs, my health. Another one said with a smile, who's, who's older, hope I'm still around. A young parent said, teenager dumb. I like that. I was thinking, teamageddon. You know, like, what is it going to be like raging teenagers? Another person, how am I going to continue to impact my community? Like, what's that going to look like for me? Another person shifting from work into retirement. And a beautiful picture of, uh, he sent me a picture with it of his son and his, his young dog hanging out playing together. And uh, yeah, not having my dog around in five years. Dog, a big, big part of their family. So, so these are all things that we know are challenges. And, and how when we face all this stuff, and we could, you know, we could expand the list. We could come up with all kinds of things. How do we keep unwavering hope in the face of all of this? Like, how do we do it? Because these things are challenges. To say they're not, it's not accurate. But how do we maintain unwavering hope through it all? And I think we all know those people, right, who, you know, Brene Brown called them wholehearted people. You know, these wholehearted people whose lives may not necessarily be easier than ours. Matter of fact, they may well be more challenging. But somehow they've managed to find that unwavering hope, that faith and that trust that kind of becomes the bedrock of what they do. Now I'm going to step back over here. I think part of that, my friends, I'd come back to again and again, is, is the idea of remembering that the dreams are one. Number one, remembering the dreams are one. Like, like life, of course, has this mixture. Of course has this mixture. And the second thing I'd add to that is this equation. We have the event and the story. We have the event and the story. We have to be able to see those two as very separate things. Because oftentimes we conflate the two. We believe that the story is the event. No, it's, it's, just, it's just the event. And how we hold it, that story, that's, this is where our work is. I don't know whether we necessarily choose, I mean, some events obviously we choose, a lot we don't. But the story, how we hold the story, is always up to us. We're always free there. We're always free there. So what, is that, what does that look like to, to really hone in on that, on that story? Well, let's just, let's just take a simple example, all right? Car malfunction. We're going to look at two car malfunctions here. Car brakes. Car breaks down. 
Now, again, if, if we had our, our normal audience here, this is where we'd be passing the mic around. Uh, so I'll fill in what, what I imagine some answers would be. You know, imagine like, like you're coming from a place of deep self-pity. You know, deep self-pity. You're totally in that victim mindset. Your car breaks down. What's the story you tell yourself? Here we go again. Why does this always happen to me? you got to be kidding me, probably with a few other words in there. You know, all of that stuff, that's, that's, that's the story that comes out of self-pity. But we can have very, very different stories. That's where this idea of what resilience really is. Look at this next quote of what resilience really is. The most resilient among us are people who don't dwell on the negative. Now, I like that phrase from that author. They don't dwell on the negative. Because is the negative there, yes or no? Obviously, yes. Obviously, yes. It's just literally where are you going to, and I say this a lot, but it's so important, literally where are you going to pay attention? Where are you going to fork over your attentiveness to? Because I can fork over my attentiveness. I literally can pay bills to that negativity. I can just dwell in it. That's not, that's not a necessarily a healthy way. The most resilient among us are people who don't dwell on the negative, who look for an and, who are open for opportunities that might exist even in the darkest of times. Opportunities that might exist even in the darkest of times. Now, now folks, please, this is so important. These are opportunities in terms of good, not opportunities in terms of better. I want to be clear. These are opportunities in terms of good. Not in terms necessarily of better. I mean, it might be, right? But, but there's, there's nothing worse than being told that, that this hard thing happened and your life will... Like, who would say that, right? That life will somehow be better for it. No. But there, but there are opportunities, even in this start, to do good things. That part of your self-authoring is never taken away. It can't be. I've seen it over and over again. Where people get, yeah, it's life really is an autobiography in many ways. And I can always choose that good part because, ready, that's reflective of God. That's reflective of God's divine providence. That's reflective of the life we are all called to live. Now, it's, it's, it's easy to think, yeah, well, is that actually possible? And I, you know, maybe in a church setting at 11 a.m. on a Sunday, it feels very possible. I know, though, that life has its, has its opportunities for growth, we'll say. And, and once those show up, it's hard to act on. I wanted to show you a beautiful, uh, beautiful social media post from a friend who I hope is watching right now. And, and what happened with this friend is, is this friend parked his car down in the city. Somebody crawled underneath and cut out his catalytic converter. Now, yeah, which is kind of crazy, right? So some of you are like, what the heck's a catalytic converter? Catalytic converter, it, all you really know, need to know is hugely expensive piece of the muffler. And you got it. It's like about $800 some odd repair and people buy them and then they, they, you know, hawk them for different, um, excuse me, steal them and then hawk them for different things. So, so he comes out and literally this person has gone underneath his car and cut this thing out. So right here, he's got an event. 
And he chooses a different kind of story. And it's a story of literally turning over the interpretation of the event. Yeah, you'll, you'll see there's some, some, some parts where he makes an interpretation, but there's a lot of just turning over the interpretation of God. Take a look at this little post. To the folks who decided to steal the catalytic converter off my car last night, I wish you well and hope you figure out whatever you need to figure out. Sending love your way. Yeah, it sucks. It's a little inconvenient, and I'm grateful I'm not, not one surviving and desperate like that today because God knows I was in the past. Life is good today. God's plan, here we see the surrender part. God's plan is always at work. I don't always understand it, and I accept it. I don't turn over some of my life. I turn over it all. God is good. God's got us. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. That's turning over the interpretation to God. And notice, it's, it's not saying, like, my life is better because the catalytic converter was stolen. It's, I mean, it's silly to say that, right? It's just saying, yeah, I can even find goodness here. It takes work. And that is our work. That is our endeavor. To find good even in places like that. It's acknowledging that there are hard things. It's acknowledging that there are problems. It's just this choice. I'm not going to dwell there. I'm going to find the and. I want to tell you another story about an and. This is from a parishioner out in California. Back in 2015, back in 2015, my dear friend Carl and his wife Linda, they had a house out in California, and you know it's a, it's a sad sort of annual event, which is, which is all this acreage that gets burned in California. And so for this series, for resilience, I thought, you know what, I want to call Carl and I want to ask him about, like, what did he learn about resilience? And he had told me a bunch of beautiful stories. So, so just, just picture it, folks, right? There's a fire, and you can start to see the fire approaching and then somebody knocks on your door and said we are evacuating you now we have time to pack stuff up nope we are evacuating you now so they get evacuated in the face of this this massive forest fire and they fortunately get get sheltered in in his wife's office now, this is a, a big building, it's an office, but it's an office building. It's not designed to have people there, it doesn't have showers. And a plumber comes along and supplies the and. And, the plumber comes, and a plumber comes along and supplies the and. I want you to think of this, right? And I want you to think of the goodness here. The goodness here. The goodness of this plumber, as we listen to this story from our friend Carl. Take a look. People are staying here, and I'm thinking, you know, you're going to need, you know, to be able to take showers. So he is putting together um, an, an outdoor shower um, attached to the side of the building with all these little shower curtain compartments and stuff. She, I think it was a, like a five-stall thing. It was way more than we needed. But but anyway, he's doing that. And so, you know, later on he said, oh, it's all done. Anybody want to take a shower? You you know, 
So I said, you know what? I would really like to do that. And, uh, and I got into that shower. <laughs> it's really emotional even now to think about. So I'm under the hot shower and, and I'm in the shower and that's a safe place to be crying, right? I mean, I, it wasn't like I thought that through, but it, that's what happened. So I started, and I start thinking about as this warm water is falling on me, I'm thinking about the love that, um, made it possible for me to be having that experience. Yeah. yeah. And then I started thinking about, you know, the, the miles of pipes laid into the ground and the, the water filtration systems and everything. And all these people showing up and, and, and doing their jobs to make it possible for someone like me in that situation to have that experience. That's a, that's a beautiful story, right? A beautiful story. Like, what plumber goes around driving thinking, I want to put showers in? Well, that plumber did. See, see that's, that's the and. That's the event. And that's a very different story. Which story do you want to live in? Which story do you want to be your life? As someone texted into me, and I love this line, anticipating future challenges is a waste of time, a waste of spiritual energy. Be grateful for all that you have and live for the present. The challenges will come. Deal with them. I think that's very true. I think especially in a time like this, and this is a little bit of a digression, but it's something I've been thinking a lot about. Like, How in these times do we, do we exercise that thing of good? And, and for me personally, for me, this is very much me just talking about myself. Um, boy, have I missed going down to, you know, some of the places we've served. I just, it just, I feel like I can't quite get my bearings because there's nothing better than getting your bearings than serving at Ronald McDonald House or St. Francis Inn or Gift of Life Family. There's nothing that will help you get your bearings. For me, help me get my bearings more quickly than that. But those aren't options right now. And they may not be for months and I've struggled with that. And then I was listening to this one author. Listen to this line, folks. This is one worthy of taking a note on your phone. What he said is, even in times where we can't serve, where service is not an option, solidarity always is. In those times where service is not an option, solidarity always is. And all solidarity takes is this. That's what we can exercise. Maybe that's where we can live in the, in the deeper and deeper parts of our lives where we can come to reflect like, yep, we can foresee as God would have it. You know, we can foresee the hard things. God can foresee them. We can foresee them not as much, but, but obviously we can foresee them. And at the same time, and we can provide for good. And. At the same time, we can provide for good. That's where we find unwavering hope. That's where we face these challenges and we find unwavering hope. We're like, yeah, and I'm going to do the best I can today just to provide for a little bit of good out there in the world. So your takeaway is this question. What's the end for you today? 
What are you going to do? What's your afternoon going to look like? I say this with a smile after the Steelers beat the Eagles. What are you going to do this afternoon? <laughs> Larry's in the audience. I had to do that. You know, really, what's, what's your life-giving and going to be? And you want to know what? I'm giving you permission to do it. Because I think that's God's call. And just remember, folks, like the only thing that's in the way of that is your own mental mountains, your own, your own stuff. Move through it. Move past it. Find God. Find each other. Find heaven. Amen. What we're going to close the service with is I'm going to offer a prayer. Then I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer, and then we'll have our final song. So please join me in prayer. So Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, help us in the face of the many difficulties that confront us today to remain in that place of unwavering, unwavering hope. Because allow us to have this, an unwavering dedication to do what's good. However small, however insignificant that might be, allow us, Lord, to know that you build mighty things with the small and the seemingly insignificant. Help us to live there. Help us to live that. Help us to remember, Lord, there's no mountain high enough to keep us from others, to keep us from you, and that we will keep on moving. Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.